On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, we speak to Anne-Marie Kelly, and she's been married seven times to the same man for just five years each time. She's the architect of the new I Do, the five-year marriage. Anne-Marie is also an award-winning author, speaker, teacher, and the founder of the Victorious Women Project, and the author of several books focused on women's empowerment, Victorious Women, Shaping Life's Challenges into Personal Victories, Victory by Design, and her most recent, The Five-Year Marriage. Shifting the Marriage Paradigm. In it, Anne-Marie shows women and the partners who love them how to keep their personal power in their relationship. And Anne-Marie grew up in Philadelphia suburbs and now lives in the beautiful Chester County of Pennsylvania. She loves being down the shore in Avalon, New Jersey, or hiking in Down East Maine. She's an avid Phillies fan and has been since her father first took her to a baseball game when she was just five years old. She's active with many women's communities and local charities, as well as the Victorious Women's Scholarship at Newman University, her alma mater. And she loves traveling, ballroom dancing, and spending time with her wonderful spouse, Joseph Eagle, and her beautiful, good friends. Before we get to the interview, I have to tell you all about Nadine West. It's awesome, affordable outfits sent to your doorstep every month. And if you use my promo code on peppershock.com slash offers and click on Nadine West, you'll get $10 in free shipping and $10 credit on your account. And you get to go to the website, take a style quiz. There's no risk shopping to, you know, basically be able to get close into your door and you only pay for what you keep. It's really revolutionizing shopping. It's risk-free. There's some wonderful surprise styles that they'll send you and you can do it monthly. You can set to where and how often you want things sent to you. It's something I do and I love it. It's affordable, no weird fees involved or anything like that, but you can use this offer at peppershock.com offers, select Nadine West and get your free shipping and $10 credit on your account by using it. Okay, now it's time for the marketing essentials moment, the basics that you need to help you build your brand and your bottom line. Today, I want to talk about customer acquisition costs and things that you can think about to help improve the cost that it acquires to new customers, right? How much you're spending on new customers to get them. The idea is to get more higher paying clients and not have to pay as much for them over time because you've really dialed in and figured it out. So here are some customer acquisition lowering ideas that you can consider. One, automating your sales and marketing process. A platform that you use, we use several different ones, but we are also brokers of one that we have invested in and sought out and researched. And you have to think about what's gonna work for you, right? So if you are able to help speed up the time it takes to close a new customer, a client, and you can free up some of your time by automating the process, right? I always say, measure what you treasure, dump what you don't, and automate what you hate. And if you can do things to help automate the process, even if it's just one component of your sales process along the way, and it helps speed up the process, that can cost you less. Less in time, talent, and treasure, right? Less money spent, less time invested if you can repeat the process and make it an ongoing adventure. And then, of course, finding the right messaging for your ideal customer profile. We talk about empathizing with our customers, stepping into their shoes. What is it that they need? What pain points can you solve? What can you do to resonate with them best? 
And how can you make the messaging even better than what it already is? Maybe you've got it dialed in and now you just need to tweak it a little bit more and test it out and see what you're what you're doing. What is your customer doing to get the information in order to see you, hear you, feel you, right? And what are they seeing and hearing and feeling and and doing in their lives to get that information from you? If you can get it to them faster, better, more efficiently, more relevantly, you're going to help ultimately your customer acquisition costs and make the costs go down. Look at all the different tactics you can use and what's working, what's not. We do a stop, start, keep during our marketing audit process to understand what to stop, what to start, what to keep doing or tweaking and and making it even better. And then, of course, creating appropriate ads. We said double down on digital, right? Digital advertising is where you need to be. But if those ads can really hone in on who it is that you're targeting and in what process in your entire sales funnel, your pipeline, the the process that you go through in order to help speed up that process to get the higher paying, higher, you know, performing clients that you want to be able to attract most. So aligning your ads, retargeting the people that have interest in your product or service, thinking about how you can segment your audiences in different ways so that you can reach them better. And then, of course, going through that and continuously analyzing and dissecting it and looking at what you're doing to get that return on your investment and how you're spending your money. Then determine what kinds of landing pages or offers that they tend to accept more so than others, looking at the length of time that they're spending to get to where you want them to go. And then, of course, those landing pages, you want to have uh, really good calls to action to get them to do what you want them to do. And you can tweak those calls to action to see what really, really, really works and optimizing that user experience so that they are very confident in what they're wanting to purchase from you. So between the ads and the landing pages that you're using, what can you test? What kinds of parts of processes in the automation that you're going to set up, what can you test? Is it Facebook ads where you can filter the messages, look at the different images that you might be using, who you're filtering those those ads to, of course, Google ads or LinkedIn ads, what kind of platforms are you using and where are you reaching your target audience the most? And who's buying from you, right? Profile those people and understand what was it that made them want to buy from you? And what is it about them that you could replicate those ideal, most, you know, soul searching, wonderful soulmate clients that you have? How do you get more of those? Well, keep testing your strategy. Marketing is definitely a marathon, not a sprint. It's it's iteration. It's understanding what's working and what's not, right? And then, of course, having that nurturing strategy that continues to have those touch points with them in ways that they want, not what they don't want, right? People unsubscribe from messages that they don't want. And what is it that triggers that unsubscribe? What kind of things are making your people want to you know, repel from you as opposed to being attracted to you. And so utilizing these techniques can help you make your customer acquisition costs lower, but then gaining more clients. And then the next thing we would think about is the lifetime value of those valuable customers that you want, right? So keeping the goal, you're lowering your cost, but acquiring higher, better more attracted clients that you want to have in your pipeline. 
Okay, be sure to check out our website. We have a blog post all about this where we deep dive into customer acquisition costs even more and give you even more tips. Go to themarketingexpedition.com, become a member, and then you have access to this blog post and a whole slew more, trust me. But now let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition guide, Ray Allen. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition Community. And today's guest, we have Anne-Marie Kelly. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Ray. I'm thrilled to be here. So let's share with our audience a little bit more about you and what got you to where you are today. Just give us a a nice little overview of of who you are. Well, I'm a victorious woman and that that part of my life comes from my history where I I grew up with an odd background, like, you know, like so many people do. And there was alcoholism and mental illness and some abuse. So so getting getting past that place to where I became independent and was able to take care of myself was a really big deal for me. And uh, and I, I met my spouse, and that's when I created the five year marriage, because I got into the point where in my life where I, I grew up in an Italian Catholic background, and I was like your classic good girl. So I, everything used to happen all around me, and I was like still doing all the things I was supposed to do. And then um, I was engaged at 22. And when I broke my engagement, my father was disturbed because I was on track to do good girl things like get married and have kids and stuff. And suddenly I broke my engagement and was like, oh my goodness. And then the big sin, I moved out of my parents' house. And for your listeners who know anything about that old school Italian thing, the only way a good Italian girl moves out of her parents' house is in a wedding gown (laughs) or or a nun's habit or a coffin if she is in one of those things then she's just going out to do bad things my father didn't talk to me for a whole year oh wow so I knew I knew I couldn't go home and say mom and dad can I have a couple bucks or I need some help I was on my own and what happened at that point was that I that I just developed you know, out of necessity, I, I knew how I learned how to take care of myself in a whole different way. And, and so then I met my spouse, Joseph, and my now spouse, Joseph. And when, when we got together, we were having a good time. And then one day I started talking about marriage. And I'm like, oh, because you know what happened? I had seen so many of my girlfriends get married and become happy girls and turn into wives. You know, they had given away their personal power for the sake of the relationship. So when that happened, I thought, no, nah, I don't want that. And then Joseph was talking about getting married. And so I said, you know, I, I think we need to buy a house. That was 1985, right? So, so you have to do 1985. That wasn't your typical thing. Lots of girls are doing it now. Right. But in 1985, that wasn't so common. But he went along with it and we did that. And then about a year after we got married, about a year after we moved in, I said, what do you want? To, his birthday was coming. I said, what do you want for your birthday? And he, and he said, I want to get married. I'm like, we're living together. Is that not enough? But it was really important to him. It was really important to me to preserve that victorious woman part of me. That part that had become independent and 
was secure in my own self. So I thought about it and I prayed, I meditated, I did a whole bunch of stuff. And then I said to Joseph, then I came up with the idea for the five-year marriage. I said, look, I'm positive I could love you and be with you for five years. What, what was his reaction? And I, I, but I, I said, if, if at the end of five years, we still like each other, we can get married again. And if we could do our marriage that way, then I can do this. He was like, he tells me how he was a little shocked, but when I laid out my whole reasoning, he, he understood it and he bought into it. So he said, okay, we were married six weeks later. And of course, everybody thought I was pregnant because it was a fast wedding, but it wasn't that it, it was that way because we had no money. We weren't going to be able to have a big wedding anyway. And we were already living together. So it was a point of waiting. So we got married in September of 1988 for the first time. So that's how we've been doing our marriage. We've been married seven times, each time for just five years. So that's so a lot of a lot of where I come from comes from that part of me that wants to protect the that victorious woman part of me, uh-huh. that, that independent woman. So when you get married each time, is it a big wedding? Is it a renewing your vows? Kind of explain to me what what is it every time you get married again? Well, we never renew our vows. It's um, and so here's what we do. Uh, to answer your first question, we have not yet to have a large wedding. I think the most we've ever had was about 40 people. And uh, and our last wedding was in a was at a bed and breakfast, and it was absolutely lovely. And it always involves a new dress, and, and sometimes even involves jewelry. And it and it always has a honeymoon. So I like all that. Nice. So here's what happens in the five year marriage. We start out with a set of agreements. And I always talk about the power of agreements in your relationship because a lot of people have a lot of unspoken agreements and that sort of sours things. So we start out with figuring out where we want to go and if we want to go together. And and then presuming that we still, that we do, and we so far we still have, we spiritually end that marriage and start fresh. So it's a new beginning. It's a fresh start. We don't like whatever we did in the last five years, you're not renewing anything. And you know, know why, Ray? Because we aren't the same people who got married five years ago. We're, we're way far from the people who got married in 1988. But even our, even our last wedding in 19, 2018 was our last wedding. Mm-hmm. And um, we're not even the same people we were then because since our last wedding, uh, we've had some health issues. Joseph had prostate cancer. Um, we went through that whole process. So we're not even the same people we were a couple of years ago. So we so we have to we see it as being able to start over, to look at where we are, who we are, how we've changed. We discuss how we've changed. And then we figure out how we want to go on together. And as I said, if we still want to go together, like where what are our goals for the next five years? And you know what, Ray, it's really been interesting because Every marriage has been different. And if and how long have you been married? 18 years. So that would be in my terminology, three you're in your fourth marriage. <laughs> so uh, in and or you, your third marriage, you, you would have had four weddings. So you I'm sure you could see you aren't the same person that you were when you got married 18 years ago. But you probably aren't the same person even from three years ago because COVID happened. So a lot of things shift in our heads. 
it makes a big difference to be able to sit down and say, what have we done good? What didn't we do so good? How do we want to move forward? And in having that conversation, I call it a curiosity conversation, in having that conversation, you sort of figure out, huh, I'm still learning things about Joseph. And, and not because, because I didn't know them before, but because he's, things have happened in his life and he's changed his thought process about a lot of things. Does that make sense? That, that does make sense. I, I can see, you know, yeah, I'm definitely not the same person I was 18 years ago when, when Drew and I got married. So I can see how that, the, the, the thinking that you're going through in that regard. And you're right, not the same person as before COVID, right? I mean, there's lots of differences going on there for sure. And you know what, Ray, you know what happens a lot of times, I, what I think happens and what I see when I talk to people, stuff, the stuff that happens, they don't sit down and talk about it. They they sort of lose touch with the people that they are. You talk a lot about marketing and, um, and you know, like if you, if you compare marriage a little bit to marketing, like it starts out with, you know, like maybe you go online and you post your profile and then, and then you meet somebody and you sort of think, okay, well, they're interesting enough to get to know. We'll go out to lunch or dinner, coffee. And then it's like, oh, I like them. And then you, you know, you see each other a little bit more. So it sort of mimics the sales cycle a little bit. And, and then in the sales cycle, you would purchase a product and start using it. And in marriage, you start feeling, building that partnership. But a lot of times what I see is there's, if, if you have a product, you need to keep brand loyalty. What are you doing to keep brand loyalty for your product or service? And in marriage, what are you doing to keep that partnership loyalty? And, and I think that's what doesn't happen a lot of times because you don't sit down and have that curious conversation and you sort of forget who the person is. You know who they are from before, but you don't know who they are now. So if you're not having that conversation, like who really are you married to? Right, right. So because you brought up marketing, and since we are going on a marketing journey as well here, um, I'm curious, what are some of the the ideal readers for your book? Who Who is it that you market to or, you know, target that you want to have read your, your book? People who are most interested, and, and actually, if I had to tell you, who, who did I write this book for? I wrote this book for, for women who are like how I was in 1984-85, before I met Joseph empowered, uh, wanting to be independent, not wanting to give up who they are for the sake of a relationship. And that was not so common in 1985. It's real common now because you have so many uh, smart young women who are in management positions or they're entrepreneurs and they're doing fabulous things. And they are not so interested in millennials. A lot of the millennials are big uh, for five-year marriage and a little bit of Gen Z. Mm -hmm. And so that would be the, that would be the uh, group that is most interested. And, and they're looking for something different because they saw what happened with their parents. Some women have said, I love my mother and I love my father, but I don't want my mother's marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, because they saw their mother maybe juggling too much or doing that, giving up her power thing and maybe staying home for the sake of, the kids or, you know, there's a, a whole slew of scenarios. Mm -hmm. um, 
but men and women alike are looking for, they're looking at polyamory, they're looking at open marriage, they're looking at alternatives. And a lot of the alternatives are fitting right with them. But when they come to five-year marriage, it's like, oh, well, it's not I'm going to be married. It's not five years and I'm out. It's five years and then I'm going to renegotiate. Right. Just like marketing agreements and, and you know, <laughs> clients, right? You renegotiate and, the contract after a certain period of time, right? <laughs> any partnership, right? Well, like what, what partnerships do you know that just go on forever and ever and don't get where the partners don't sit down and, and talk about their partnership agreement and what, you know, how it's going, you know, as things change in a, in a good business partnership, you have two or three people, how, how many, and as it, in, the, in the very beginning, it's like, oh, we could do all these things. And then as time goes along and they become more successful and there's a whole new set of problems that they have that they didn't even realize that they were going to have at the beginning. So they have to sit down and rethink what they're, you know, renegotiate their their agreements so that everything's equal and fair and everybody's happy so it's not different in marriage right so you've you've been able to renegotiate your your marriage over over the years so from you said joseph's perspective what does he do when it's time to re renegotiate i mean just walk me through this process so i understand kind of what happens well he makes a joke about it that he says there's a, there's some there's a baseball player who who all, who used to sign a contract and do crappy 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 and then in the last year he likes hit home runs, and Joseph always says that's me that's what I do but that's really not true. <laughs> he loves to tell that story and it's funny, but we but we still have, you know, still even to this day we've been together over thirty years so. Right. We still have family meetings. We still sit down and figure it out. And you know, when we first started, and I'll tell you how it started. Our first marriage was probably pretty typical of most people in their first marriage. It was our second marriage where we hit a wall. Mm-hmm. And my background is in teaching. So I was like, I'm a teacher. I can fix this. But I couldn't. And finally, you know, there was, there was a long night of the soul where, I, where he was sleeping in bed and I was sleeping on the, in the recliner. And I said, I, I can't, I can't, I, I, I don't have the skills. We need to go see somebody. And I said to Joseph, we, we need to get help. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't so happy about doing that because he, he said, you know, I'm afraid, I'm afraid I'm going to open up a can of worms because frankly, his family, my family looked normal. And so he, but he, but he went and he, he later told me if it wasn't for the five-year marriage, he probably would not have gone because he would just put it off and put it off. But we ended up going and we both learned a whole lot in therapy and we had a fabulous therapist. Not everybody has that good of an experience, but we did. And at the end of that five years, we had learned a lot and we decided to go for another five years. And then in my best teacher, I had to put together a system you know, I had to make a lesson plan. <laughs> and the system included having family meetings on a regular basis. And in the very beginning, in that third marriage, we met probably, I would, I would tell you, at the very beginning, we met every single week. It was just, that started in therapy. And Joseph and I would meet at, a, at like a, a bookstore. Mm-hmm. Get a Barnes and Noble and get a cup of tea. And we had our notebooks and we made, it, we made commitments to each other and made agreements. We don't 
we don't have to do that every week anymore like that, but at least once a quarter we sit down and we figure it out because a lot happens. We both have businesses. COVID has really made a huge difference in our businesses, made a big difference in our lives like everybody. And uh, and so, so for Joseph, it, I, I don't think it's a whole lot different for him as it is for me. We sit down and we have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. He has it. Oh, what I did want to say was when we very first started to do this, Joseph wasn't so happy about it because his thinking at that point was, this is going to be a session where, where you're just going to criticize everything I do. Mm. But that's not what happened. And so now... As, as he relaxed into that process and I relaxed into that process, it has become just a place for us to talk about what's working and what's not working. If something's bothering him or bothering me, it's like, you know, this thing happened and it really bothers me. So that's that's our space, our safe space for talking about it. Hmm. And, and at the end of our, that family meeting, we make commitments and we write them down. We, we have notebooks, we write them down and and the next time we get together, we start with, we always start with what good things have happened because it's always easier to talk about the crappy stuff when you say, yeah, but we did all these really good things. So we start talking about what went right. And then we look at our list of, of commitments that we made and how we did. And at this point, Joseph is, I mean, he's so relaxed about doing it that he says, he is as likely to say, hey, we haven't had a family meeting for a while. We should have a family meeting because we have a lot with lots going on. We have a lot on our plate. We, we need to get sorted, things sorted out. I think a lot of that, right, has to do with the fact that we're both honest. We both love each other. We're not out to get each other. We see each other as partners. We're willing to say, okay, I screwed up. I'm sorry. And I think that matters. Absolutely. So when you are out talking about your book and promoting your book, I mean, sometimes when you are talking about other people, was he at first taken back by you talking about him or is he okay with that? He's okay with it because if you'd asked me that question in our second marriage, probably not. But by by the end of our third marriage, he was this, he, he, he really saw how beneficial it was that and how comfortable he felt in the process. And frankly, frankly, right, he's a little bit more of a ham than I am. <laughs> he kind of likes it. He likes it. That's good. That's good. And, and he's a and he's a, he's a good ambassador for the for the system. So now, are there people? Are they exploring this process too? Are you helping other people go through this, or is that one of the goals that you have? It is one of the goals that I have. And I am helping other people explore this process and figure it out. And what surprises me also, I just, in fact, I just did it in the last, since the end of last year, uh, I have something called a curiosity conversation for, for beginners where they use the process to chat with their. The lesson plan that you've put together, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, no, it's not quite that. We're not at the lesson plan yet. We're just at the curiosity <laughs> conversation. <laughs> Oh, what do you think about this? But I just in the la- in the last since the end of last year or at the, at the end of last year put together what I, a curiosity conversation for people who are already married, mm-hmm. because especially since COVID, you know, I, I I started something called the marriage reset because a couple of months into into COVID, some a woman called me and she said, look, 
we, we talked for a little bit and then she said, here's the thing, I just can't look at his face another day. And I thought, I will bet she's not the only person who can't look at her spouse another day. <laughs> I guess it depends on the day and what's going on, maybe. I don't know, but you're right. Sometimes it can be a reset. I like that idea. <laughs> and so I, so I did put together a program called the Marjorie Reset, and it starts with the curiosity conversation. And that also starts with what are the good things that we've done? Because I think sometimes when you're upset, when you're, you know, when you're ticked off, I think you forget how many good things your partnership has produced that you as a person and your, your partners as a person have done uh, in, for each other, for the family, in, in your businesses, in your communities. I think we forget because we're upset. You know, we want to focus on that negative. I always say start with that positive, that positive thing and say, what have we done good? And then go into the stuff that isn't working. And, you know, with, with people who are in resets or needing a reset, one of the big things is, and I tell this to all my beginner people, I call it the ABCs, the power of agreements, the bonus of boundaries, and the curse of compromise. And in the power of agreements, you need to be able to sit down and say, here's what we're agreeing on together. And when people don't do that, you fall into unspoken agreements and Ray one of the examples I use about that is for that is um, and and I am most often talking to women so I'll ask women who are married uh, do you send cards out for Christmas birthdays anniversaries oh yeah do you send them to your family yes you send them to his family well yeah well you know so have you ever had that conversation who's going to send out the cards well that's an unspoken agreement and maybe it's an, an unspoken agreement that you really like but if you have one unspoken agreement like that you probably have a, a dozen others that are ones that you don't like so get clear about what your unspoken agreements are and straighten them out because when you have an unspoken agreement and it's not one that you like every time you do it you get you get ticked off or you get that builds a little bit of resentment when that resentment builds that sours the relationship, that that affects the partnership. And that, you know, that's that's true in any partnership. If one partner isn't happy because they think they're getting screwed over, you can't move the partnership forward. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and I can relate to that too about, hey, I thought I asked you to do the, the card. No, you did the card. I thought you did. No one, no one does a card. <laughs> And then that's, you know, that, that still happens every once in a while with Joseph and I, and then it's like, okay, time for a family meeting. <laughs> you know? But we have that safe space called the family meeting where we can jot something down and then bring it up there. And I, here's something that you asked about, Joseph. Let me tell you this. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm the kind of person, I, like, I, I'm always thinking about stuff. And so sometimes when we're on a drive someplace, I'm like, hey, you know what I was thinking? And I come up with some idea about it about something we should do about our partnership or something. He's now able to say, I think that's a really good idea. Can we put that into the family meeting? Nice. And, 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 it's, and it's the appropriate, he's right. It's the appropriate place for whatever, presuming it is the appropriate place and very often it is. I'm like, yeah, we can put that, that's where it belongs. Let's put it in the family meeting. So I'll put it, take out my phone, I'll jot it down and then it's there. 
And then we then we move on in, the, in our nice little Sunday drive thing. But, you know, the idea came to me and it didn't actually belong on a Sunday drive or, you know, wherever, whatever we were doing. It belongs in the family meeting. So that family meeting then becomes like a catch-all place for us to have the important conversations that otherwise could, if we're out driving around and he doesn't have time to think about it, um, could make him feel blindsided and tense. And then it's not a good conversation. Right. Well, it makes a lot of sense. So um, I want to know about some of the things that you're doing to help market your your book and what your your program that you're offering and things. What what are some of the tactics that you're taking that seem to be working for you? I, I think the thing that's working probably the best is my social media. Um, I think LinkedIn is working better than some of the other things. I I don't find my own personal Facebook page to be you know gangbusters. Uh, but I and I have my webmaster Chris helps me with my five-year marriage um, Facebook and Instagram, um, and and then offering I do have offerings for classes, and um, and anybody can download my Curiosity Conversation. I have one as I said earlier, yes, for beginners and one for people who are already married. So it's it, it's just like any product. Once they get a little taste, and it's like, oh, this worked out pretty good. Let me see what else is going on. So then you take a next step and the next step. So when are you going to get married again? We are. We're closing in. We have been a year and a half left. It's funny. We just talked about this recently. So somebody did ask us and I said, well, the next one isn't until 2023. So actually what happened was I had a photographer at our last wedding and I have a fundraiser every year so. Some of the, the women who were part of the, who are on my committee um, were at the wedding and I had pictures, but it just took me until this time, took me all this time to actually make them copies. So I gave them out at the last meeting for our fundraiser. It's called the Girlfriend Gala. And uh-huh. so they were very anxious to know how long it was going to be till the next one because everybody had such a good time at the last one. So what was your fundraiser for? The fundraiser is a victorious woman project fundraiser and uh, we do it and uh, right it is so fun and we meet at a local country club um we have about at this point we our cutoff is at a, as is at 100 people we haven't had it for the last two years so i right. have been a little surprised that when the event bright went out like all of a sudden i had a bunch of people sign up i'm like wow i didn't even send out the notice i just sent out the event bright <laughs> nice and and we have a when we have a scholarship uh, the proceeds go to a scholarship. We're all volunteer, but the proceeds go to a scholarship uh, at Newman University. And and the reason I do it there is because I didn't get I I didn't get a college degree. I was in a special program, which is how I got to teach in a Catholic school. So I had a lot of credits from a lot of places, but I but I didn't put them all together, and I didn't have my degree. So um, it only happened. I only graduated twenty years ago. And you can tell I'm, not, I'm a little older than like just out of high school. Well, congratulations on getting that degree, though. You're graduating. That was that's amazing. Good job. <laughs> you know, it is one of the it is one of the huge accomplishments of my life because it was not easy to go back in midlife. It you know, and I'm with you know a lot of younger people, and it was you know all that kind of stuff. But I but here's something else I will tell you. My very first professor when I went back. 
And I went back as basically because I had a lot of credits and they accepted all my credits. I went back as a junior. And my very first professor took me aside one day. And she said, you know, you have a talent for writing. I think you should do something with it. I do not know that I would have written my first book, Victorious Woman, if it had not been for her nice. encouragement. So, so the scholarship is for women who are going back to school in midlife. Because when you go back and, you know, maybe the kids are still in school or, you know, it's expensive to go back to school. And so they so it's not a huge scholarship, but maybe it's enough to pay for half of a semester or, you know, it's a couple thousand dollars. So whatever you could do with a couple thousand dollars is what that scholarship will do for them. So it's so it's for women who are midlife going back to school in midlife to get a degree. And and one of the things that I ask of them is the next year, if they would come back and speak to our group. And one of the best ones was a woman who got started along. She was in her, I think she was in her early 60s. Oh, wow. And she started in a pro program called Head Start a long time ago where you didn't need a degree. Mm -hmm. And so she, so at some point along the way, they said you have to get a degree in order to stay in this program. And she wanted to stay in the program. So there she was in, you know, late midlife mm -hmm. going back to school. And the money that she got from the Victoria Woman Scholarship enabled her to not have a second job while she was getting her graduate was finishing her, her last year of school. It was thrilling for all of us, you know, all the women who were there who were you know, so generously spending money on raffle tickets and silent auction items and things to hear how much their money was helping this woman. So we've had, we've had some really wonderful women come back and tell us how important it was that that money, even though it's not a ton of money, it's just, but it's just enough to, to give them like a, a hand up to get to the next stage. And that's so much of what my life and my work is about, helping women be empowered. Oh, I love that. Well, um, Anne-Marie, can you share uh, with our audience how they can be involved with you, where they can go to find you on social media or your website? Thank you. I would love that. I would love for them to, to connect with me. You can, my website is annemariekelly.com and Anne-Marie has no A in it. It's A-N-N-M-A-R-E. It's annemariekelly.com. And if they want that curiosity conversation, they could go to annemariekelly.com forward slash curiosity. They can reach me on social media at uh, Anne Marie Kelly or at Five Year Marriage. Any uh, last words of uh, inspiration or parting thoughts that you have for our audience today? Oh, you know, we're it's we're coming in. We're in the love month here, and I think that some so many times we forget to do some of the very simple things with our with our sweeties. That you know, we're like, oh, we have to go to dinner. We have to go. I have to get this gift. And, and I, and I hear men may like make themselves really nuts. And if they would just be nice, let your spouse know how much you appreciate what they do, touch them and not, and not, the, you know, not that touch that says, Oh, I want to have sex tonight. Touch. I don't mean that touch. I mean like the nice touch of the cheek or the pat on the back or some nice form of touch. Touch is very healing. And to be able to do that, to let your, because you used to do that all the time when you were new, and then you get out of the habit of doing just that sweet touch. That's so, that's uh, such an important thing and smile at each other. Think about getting married every five years so that you have that honeymoon period. 
<laughs> right? They call it the honeymoon period at the beginning of your relationship. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing today. And uh, we'll put your links and stuff in the show notes and just a treat to have you on the show and learn about your your five-year marriages. I think this is great. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. Right. Thank you. I Thank you. I was, I was so thrilled to be on your show today. I appreciate your all your kindness. Thank you. Absolutely. And for those of you listening, the kindness that you can share is giving us a review or sharing this with other people that you know that need to hear what Anne-Marie's message was today. Uh, and of course, enjoy the marketing journey that we're all on together. Until next time, enjoy that journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.